So imagine with me for just a second uh, the amount of courage that it must take to create a single film in nine different countries, in nine different languages, and to do it as an individual. Y'all, welcome to the Photographic Collective Podcast. My name is Miles Woodboyer. Today's guest is a good friend of mine, Brooke Beerhouse, and we are going to be telling her story, walking you through the process of her traveling all the way around the world with a story, with a vision in mind, and what it has looked like for her before and since, uh, always just pursuing humanity and purpose and, uh, and with this wonderful goal, this wonderful vision of just making the world a better place uh, in her wake. Y'all, I'm, uh, I'm excited to click over and, and get you guys right into that conversation. So without any further ado, here we are with Brooke. Okay, so like first things first, I uh, I want to hear how your day is and how you are because we haven't caught up since really since your wedding. So tell me tell me about life. Oh gosh, um, this is my fourth coffee of the day. So if that tells you anything, that yes, <laughs> I'm actually drinking the coffee. Seriously, I'm drinking the coffee that you gave me right now. No I felt way. like it was inappropriate. Yeah. Oh, the Connected Cup Native mm-hmm. Root Coffee. A total plug right there. Thank you, Miles. That's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That. Um. It, it's been. It's just Thursdays are a bit a busy day, but other than that, it's it's always productive. It's creative and exciting work. So I'm always thankful to do it. But at the same time, work is work and it is draining, you know? Yeah. Well, hundred percent. And that's, that's one of the reasons that I, I mean, I think you know this, but one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here because you, like you've lived this life where you have seen both sides of the curtain, uh, without any filter. Yeah. Right. Like you've, you've lived now in the, the corporate creative world where it's like your your job is to wake up and get your butt to work. <laughs> yeah. But then you've also lived in the like, you know, I, I'm just, I can only imagine. I can't wait to tell everybody about, about this part of your life. But where it's like, today we're going to go wander around a coffee plantation in Ethiopia. Yeah. Um, so how do you, before we like intro and, and get there, how, how on earth do you keep it straight? Like, how are you one person and not living in two different places at once? Oh, I I am a multifaceted, like, cube. You know, it's that Rubik's Cube where one day I could be that yellow side. The next day, it's that orange and blue. And honestly, I think that's probably what gives me a bit of an edge. And Don, who obviously you know, but for listeners, my now husband, he always jokes about that because he's like, you know, I... I I've only been with you for three years, but in those three years, I also know that every day I'm sort of getting a different side of you or I'm getting a different part of you that comes out. And it is exciting. I'm glad he finds it exciting and not absolutely terrifying, but <laughs> it's it's a, it's a delicate task, but I feel like it's something that I'm fortunate that I can be a chameleon and I always kind of have been, which is why I am so good at being a filmmaker and documentary filmmaker, storyteller, because I can blend in when I need to and just focus in on what's important and what we're, what connects people and what I have in common with them and just kind of go from there. Oh, okay. So you just, you just spilled the beans a little bit on who you are. <laughs> yeah. um, those of you guys that, that don't know Brooke already... Um, I, I think it's probably a great time for why don't why don't you give us like don't go too deep into the bio because I I want to ask all the questions about how many countries this has happened in and how uh, of course but like who who like who are you I mean give us give us that intro first oh Miles who are you is the hardest question but I'm I'm really just. I'm a documentary filmmaker, I'm a visual storyteller, and I'm an artist at my heart and core. And um, I'd like to think I'm a decent human being. Yeah. How's that? Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's perfect. That's, that's a good onslaught for the conversation because you've heard me tell you this before. And, um, and those of you guys that are, that are listening have, have heard me reference Brooke before. Um, as recently as this last week in in the episode with Verena, um, where I, I just said that like from the moment that I sat down with you, Brooke, I was struck by uh, both your energy as as far as like your confidence as a creative, but also just the grace that you have, like just the space that you give other creatives to create. 
That's a um, huge compliment. Wow, uh, thank you. That had that had to have come from somewhere though, because this that's not a it's not an easy thing to. For instance, like our relationship, you hired me as your wedding photographer, right? So I it's sure not did. an easy thing to trust somebody to do that when you know what good looks like. So, so back us up. I want to know, like, the moment that you first left the ground and decided you were going to go be a filmmaker overseas. Can you? Can you? talk us through that that period in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's very vivid still. I was living in a very small apartment with six other people in Chinatown on Mott Street in New York. And I was trying to really become the next host of the Today Show. That was my goal. I was totally dead set on that. Wanted to be a part of the storytelling that happens with the news. And there was just this moment. It was... Seven months into being in New York City, had just graduated, um, took an acting for film course, the New York Film Academy, and I was my sister came to visit me. And it's always the people that are closest to us that bring up that that issue or something that we're just not addressing. And we were walking, and this cab almost ran into my sister, and so I slammed down on the top of the his car. And I was like, I yelled, I was like, we're walking here. Like you almost ran us over. Like I was pissed. And I kept walking and Allie looked at me and she goes, who are you? I said, what do you mean? She's like, that's not you. Like I get the grittiness of New York. She's like, but you're, that's not you. You would never just yell at someone and hit their car. And it was just a aha moment where I realized that New York was not the environment that I was going to be my best self at. And I had a lot of traveling and a lot of discovering to do. And eventually at some point, if New York was on the map, I would bring myself back. But I immediately signed up for um, a position as an instructor for this photography camp in Reykjavik in Iceland. And I spent four months there teaching photography, photographing the Northern Lights. It was a total dream. And then I wanted to go further into wildlife conservation, which was a big focus of mine in undergrad, working at the Smithsonian National Zoological Park as their video intern. And I went to Costa Rica. I started working in the Osa Peninsula in wildlife conservation and storytelling within conservation efforts. And then from there, the bug just completely had it's already just laid its its eggs in me. I mean, it, I was ready to see every part of the world and ha- try to figure out how I could implement storytelling better for nonprofits and organizations and help them increase awareness. And so, while working on my own uh, documentary, I also would was traveling a lot and trying to find ways to continue the work that I wanted to do. And that that was the moment. Oh, it's magic. I mean, every every person that is going to tune into this is now officially hooked. <laughs> um, well, they are because here's here's the thing is like just the way that you just laid that, it shows how delicate you are as a storyteller. Um, the, the way that you tell your own story and you know that, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you know the, your ability to tell your own story says so much about your ability to tell another person's. Mm. And and you just set the groundwork for the the most fascinating human alive. So let's let's go with it. I okay. So by the way, si- sidebar: I had no idea about your time in Iceland. Oh, it was. Fantastic. I don't know how you and I haven't. I don't. You and I haven't spoken about that. But it, it's my favorite place on earth. I so know. We'll have more we can talk about for, did, for future coffee have, chats. Or have we? Maybe we've skipped over. You, you guys. I mean, I, I I'll say this um, bluntly. Every time that I feel like you and I sit down to talk, I just sit back in my seat, like blown away by, by all of the like all of the layers. You have lived at least forty six lives in the last like thirty years. So, so, okay. So you you kind of catch this travel bug, and clearly, like having a camera in your hands becomes a major part of that process for you. Yeah. Um, and and you mentioned just lightly, you just skipped right over this idea of starting your own documentary. Where did, where did that come from? That was from many nights spent having our little cafecitos in the Osa Peninsula in Costa Rica with a lot of the wildlife conservationists. They were amazing and would speak English with me for the majority of the time because I don't know all of the 
vocab for a lot of these animals that we're seeing in different species in Spanish. And so they would be focused on English from 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. When 4 p.m. PM hit, we were Spanish only. And it would start, the, I knew Spanish time would start with a coffee. And I felt like, gosh, what a cross-cultural language to just sit with someone and know that we're all comforted. We're all just being human when we are sharing a cup of coffee together. And while it was helping me learn Spanish, it was also helping me see people through a different lens when I can't necessarily speak the same language as them and what that looks like and how I interact. And so that seed was planted and I went to a coffee farm in Monteverde, Costa Rica. And the farm, Cafe de Monteverde, is the one who really helped me to come up with the idea that coffee and tea are these global languages of connection when we just take time to sit and connect with people, which sparked the nine countries with interviews in nine languages, proving this hypothesis that coffee is a global language for the documentary, The Connected Cup. It's my favorite um, My favorite part. First and foremost, it's my very favorite part of the documentary. Uh, when you first land in Italy. Oh, yeah. And you just nonchalantly order uh, an espresso in Italian and it's beautiful. Like even your your accent is beautiful. Um, but that tied with um, the, the time when I was, I was at your house and we were sitting drinking coffee together, ironically. And, um, and you just, you mentioned to me that one of the biggest roles, like one of the biggest moments, I suppose, of your life was realizing that you you didn't have access to learning Arabic unless you were sitting, you know, especially yeah. maybe as a woman in that part of the world, right? Unless you were sitting in a coffee shop. So, yeah. so what is it that you've learned? I mean, like aside from the the filmmaking, just like humanize this whole thing for us. You've traveled all over the world and you've met people, just humans all over the world and enjoyed this drink together. What has it done to you? I can never express in words, which is why I feel like the film is kind of my ability to grasp with what the people and the communities and the cultures have really given me over the course of the four years of, of filming and living with strangers. <laughs> Let's put it bluntly. They all were strangers until I really got to know them. And I think it really taught me to that listening is a talent and it's a talent that we have to cultivate and relearn and attentive listening, not just listening to talk. It's listening to really take in what someone's saying through their words or their body language. And it helped me really just to see humans for what they are. You know, I'll, I'll talk with experts and that coffee conversation will look a little bit different than when I talk with someone who's like, oh, I don't feel like I have much of a story. And then by the end of the coffee, we either have, you know, we've either connected in some way or I've learned that actually they do have an incredible story. They just didn't know how to share it, right? And I think the thing I like to tell people is that when you have a cup of coffee, you have an allotted time with someone. However you want to use that time. When that coffee cup is full, you have until the very end of that coffee cup to bring up, maybe have questions for them and it's a, a networking thing or it's starting a new business or it's just being creative with them. You're giving, they're giving you the opportunity to have that time with them. And that's just such a gift. That amount of time, whatever, however big your coffee cup is, hopefully it's not espresso sized, <laughs> but if it is, you know, you have that time and use it wisely. Mm, okay. I mean, like absolutely beautiful. Well, I love that analogy as well. I mean, it, that just that like vision for life could take you a really long way. Yeah. Um, so people have heard me on here say this this term a number of times since you and I sat down. But you said that that sentence, that phrase to me when we were sitting together, and you said, "Everybody wants to be interesting, but most people." won't take the time to be interested. I just yeah. I just butchered that. Can you help me with that? <laughs> Fix that for me. Everybody is trying to be interesting, but I'm I want to find people who are interested. And it was just yeah, right? Like you're in today's society we're just trying so hard to be interesting 
And really, the most interesting people are the ones who are interested. Mm. And okay, so clearly here, now we, we just totally set the, the, the framework here for, for anybody that's listening to start to piece together. So you, you've, you've traveled all over the world, you know, like have camera, will adventure. <laughs> yeah. But then you found a vehicle. You found the, the coffee became a catalyst, mm-hmm. right? Um, so now you have a story to tell. And um, I know you haven't heard the conversation that, that we released this last week yet with, uh, with Verena. Um, but the big conversation that we were having with her and the reason I wanted to follow up immediately with you, aside from the fact that you guys both remind me so much of each other, Aww. but the, the conversation that I had with her all revolved around this idea of like, once you find the story, then what? Mm. Um, and so for, for so many of us, so many photographers and videographers, especially in like today's, like the, the portrait world, right? Right. Most of us just assume that our story is um, okay. Let's use let's use your wedding day as a perfect example because we were both there, love it. Right? Yeah, let's do it. So you put you put on a white dress and you walked down an aisle to a guy that was waiting for you at the end of the aisle and a bolo tie. And you guys, you guys, yeah, he's pretty cute. He cute. You guys both like smiled, threw rings on each other's fingers, kissed, and then like danced off into the future. But that wasn't the story, right? Right, like that. That was the framework. But that wasn't the story. And so what, what you did is you found this, this coffee that allowed you into the story. So what was the story? Gosh. I mean, the story is we're all human who, have, who are made up of water. And without clean water, we can't make coffee or tea. And yet this basic water, this necessity is not easily accessible to majority of people around the world. It's not always clean. Um, a lot of people just don't have access or even even the knowledge behind how to make sure that drinking water is clean. And so it was apparent to me as I was traveling in, in many either post-conflict zones or in areas where there were intense droughts those areas, even coffee farms, you can see that water is really important and it's not always accessible or readily available. And I think for me, that was always where I kept going back to, was that humans, we are water. Majority of our body composition is water. And then we need it to survive. And how does that play a role in also the conservation aspect of it? So I tried to tie everything in through another liquid, but a more I would say more important liquid being water than maybe coffee. Mm, I love that. I mean, I think that's that's what has hit me um, right off the bat. Is uh, that's where most people struggle? Would you I, would you agree with that? Oh, though? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's where where most people battle is like they see they see their ability with a camera, yep. um, and then they see the potential for a story, and then they click record before they've bothered to figure out what the story is. Right. And sometimes and, it does come very organically or when you're in like the post-production part as a filmmaker, right? Like sometimes it does come later. So there's, but at the same time, just recording without any real intentionality to it or story development is, yeah, definitely not the route to, to go in my opinion. That's a risk. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So now that we know that you've like you've done this, um, rattle it off for us. Like, tell us aside from even just the the nine countries yeah. that that you've because you've done this in far more than that at this point. So yeah, can you can you tell us some of the places you've shot in? I was trying to quantify it the other day, not just because I want to say, oh, I've lived and worked in eighteen countries. But when I don't say the number, it feels like I'm forgetting a country and that in some way is a disregard of my time there. So it is important. I always like to say, yeah, I've been grateful or I am grateful to have worked in 18 countries as a filmmaker and photographer. Um, A couple of them that have really made an intense impact for me being uh, my time in East Africa. So Ethiopia, Eritrea, Tanzania, Kenya. The, that bulk of my filmmaking journey and visual storytelling journey was really impactful to me. Same with Italy was my very first trip overseas. So 
you know, uh, did majority of Europe and then um, Taiwan and Morocco, um, Syria, um, Palestine, uh, Israel, and see if there's a few, I don't, there's a couple that have been just like a quick, a week in or out type of travel that haven't, that have been beautiful places, don't get me wrong, or just very impactful places, but not necessarily ones that have made the deepest impact. So those are some of my my top ones. What's the, what's the number one like that, that a big tip? I, I'm serious yeah. about this, but a, like a, a big a big piece of advice that you would give. Um, what, I, I, let me back up. I, I feel like so much of our industry right now wants to have this like wanderlust mm. vibe. Yeah. But it's it's so overly influenced by, ironically, by the influencer movement. Yeah. Right? So like everybody wants to act like adventurers as long as it's at that big swing in Bali yeah. or it's at Skogafoss. Or yeah, you know what I'm sure. saying, right? How how did you intentionally break outside of that and see parts of the world that that you know don't show up in hashtags? Yeah, I mean, a, a large part of that is stepping outside of yourself. If you would, if you wouldn't go to this particular place without having yourself documented there then what's your reason for going? And for me, that's always been because I'm curious what it's like to live in Kyrgyzstan. I want to know what it's like for someone who doesn't have access to clean water or whose grandmother has been herding goats in Zimbabwe, Kenya for the last 20 years. And so for me, it's always been, yes, I I love my on-camera aspects of storytelling and I am a journalist and reporter on camera, but I'm more interested in other people and and their stories. And so if I was never going to be, there was no documentation of me ever meeting these people or being there, I would still be happy and interested to go. And I think that kind of is the distinction. I can usually tell if I'm going to vibe with someone after they talk about travel, basically by like maybe the first photo that they'd show me. So... Yeah, that totally makes sense. Whether or not it's them with their first sign Yeah, exactly. I mean, I... I think that like, okay, so I had this moment. I think you'll laugh at this. I had this moment um, just a couple of days ago. I I, um, I got featured in a shot cut, uh, sorry, shot kit article nice. um, as like one of their featured photographers. Yeah. Right? yeah thank you. That's kind of cool. Um, but I was looking through, I to be honest, I, I'm not real familiar with them. I mean, their website says they're like the world's leading authority on, you know, like camera equipment. But I... yeah. I, I don't know them personally. So I was like looking through who are the other featured photographers? Um, because they ask you to do like a flat lay of your kid and and you and, you know, all the stuff. And it made me think of you because there I am looking like a total loser, like on my yellow uh, paper with say, my gear all around me. I loved the yellow paper. It looks so cool. Yeah, okay. I loved that shot. Well, it, was, it was cool. I, it, instant insecurity because I start looking through the other photographers that are featured on there. And they're gear kits, right? And so, like, I'm surrounded by, like, you know, very high-end medium format, you know, like the the Bugatti yeah. cameras. And the next guy after me, Brooke, has, like, a bulletproof vest and a press helmet and a medical bag. Dang. And, you know, and he has, like, you know, yeah, like, one camera, one lens, and then, like, all just survival yeah. gear because he's a, he's a wartime photographer. Um, and I suddenly am like struck with the fact that far too often in this industry, we, we pigeonhole ourselves. Like we forget that there are stories being told all over the world that require just a completely different, uh, skill set and, yeah. and gear set. So, so tell me a little bit about yours. Like when you were traveling, what is it that you were taking with you? Um, and and how were you capturing? Because the quality of the documentary is fantastic. So how were you doing Thank this? you. I, you can't see me laughing, but I, I, I was just smiling thinking about it because I struggled with that from the very beginning. I knew I needed to capture in 4K footage, but I knew some of the places that I wanted to travel would be more strict on what type of camera I'd have, particularly if you can have a detachable lens, then your camera, you're officially press. And sometimes I wasn't going, I wasn't going into 
post-conflict areas or zones where I would be pressed, I was going there for other reasons, and a lot of them being humanitarian reasons. And so I didn't want a camera that had a detachable lens. I needed a fixed lens, but I also needed something that was going to be good in low light, that you know was, was going to actually work for me, and I could rig up to be a, a filmmaking kit. And so I just had one camera with me for four years. It was the Sony RX-10 II, and I still... It's my baby. It's got my um, old school camera strap, everything, just all the memories with that. Um, and then, you know, bringing along having a, a little GoPro or, um, you know, my, my audio equipment. I would have road mic, uh, a shotgun road mic, and then two lav mics and tripod, really lightweight. Everything was just lightweight gear because I was traveling so much and it had to fit into two duffel bags pretty much. And a lot of the time, when I had a small, because the RX-10 II is a smaller camera and it's an old model. It's not one I'm trying to plug by any means. I'm just saying it so you know what, what I'm talking about. It is less intrusive and it feels more people are, are okay with it if they haven't been around cameras all that often. And I only had one instance where I, I got really like verbally accosted um, for taking a photo. And it was because I didn't realize that the man um, who was outside, he believed that the cameras were taking parts of his soul and that I had taken something from him and he wanted it back. And so I, not knowing very well Swahili, and I think it was a, a mix of, he didn't really speak, he had another language other than just Swahili, but it was mixed through in there. And we had to go through a whole ceremony where like my camera had to get smudged. It was like I had to drink this one liquid that looking back, I don't know. I just, I think I was just in survival mode, but just had to make sure that his soul was okay. And I think it's moments like that where I never wanted to upgrade my kit because I was worried that, you know, either someone would damage it or I would have moments where if the lens was larger, who knows, maybe he, it really would have been an escalated issue, but it was, it was solved, even though it still kind of scars me to this day when I try to do street photography, because you don't know how people will react. Okay. Interrupting this episode for just a a quick second to talk about our sponsors for today. Did you guys know that you can get a discount, a cashback discount on every imaginable item that you could buy from a camera manufacturer or a retailer? Do you know that you can do that? Whether that is on microphones or hard drives or SD cards or cameras, lenses, bags, straps, anything that you can imagine. Just click over to our friend's website, bedfords.com. It's Bedford Camera and Video. They're the oldest and largest family-run camera retailer in the country. And you guys just use the code MWB. That's MWB for 5% cash back on everything you can imagine. Click over now. I don't even know how to say what what's going on in my mind right now. How how wild it is to back out and let people try and absorb the fact that you just nonchalantly said that you had to go through a smudge ceremony for your camera in Swahili because you had accidentally taken a picture that had stolen a man's soul. Yeah, every piece of this, Brooke, is like it's just it says it shows it it perfectly shows just just how enormous the world is to you. Um, like how many times you have circled it. And I, I just think it's, it's such a cool, it was such a cool gift to have you on here because of that. So, all right. So I, I know the answer to this because you and I obviously were like, we've become friends, but I want to hear, because the last time I asked you this question, your answer blew my mind. After oh no, uh, no. Hey, yeah, so don't mess it up. After <laughs> yeah, right? after circling the globe and creating this, you know, hour and a half long, beautiful documentary, which by the way, congratulations on it because it is it's absolutely incredible. Thank you. And you guys that are that um are listening to this, I'm gonna put a link in the show notes to the connected cup. I want you to see it because it it is it, whether you're a coffee lover or not, if you like people or even if you tolerate humans, this is going to be it's a must see. It's really incredible. Then you come you. back and you fall in love with this man. Um, you have your own yeah. human experience, right? Like, yeah. And you meet Don. So tell tell us about 
like tell us about you guys, Don, and how how life has changed. You know, the world the world got a little smaller for a little while. Yeah, it did. Don and my world got smaller, but it also grew immensely. He absolutely rocked my world. When I tell you that the amount I've just I've met so many people throughout my travels and met a lot of uh older and wiser humans who would gift me with this advice on who your perfect partner will be or what to look for. And he was everything. Like the minute I met him, uh, but we we went on a date for at Hobbs State Park on this nice long hike together. And then we went swimming in Beaver Lake. And what was supposed to be a quick hike turned into a first date that was 12 hours just playing pickup basketball and like talking about the world, going to get Cuban food. And he, from there, I... I met him a week before I was meant to leave for um, West Bank. I was filming in Ramallah, Palestine and East Jerusalem. And so I tell him this expecting the same as what I usually get from other people. And it was, oh, like, it's been great to meet you. I probably can't make your lifestyle work with my lifestyle. So we'll just end it. And instead he said, well, I'd really like to talk with you while you're over there. Will, Will I be able to? And so he downloaded WhatsApp for the first time and we we just kept in contact and he really was the perfect support system I've always been looking for for when I'm away and, and working on a project. And when I came back, um, it was a couple months before COVID hit and he just kind of showed me the area in Northwest Arkansas and I fell in love with it and I fell in love with him and felt a big connection to a part of myself that I think I'd been, I don't know if it, I wasn't really chasing anything whenever I was traveling, but I think I disregarded a lot of my own needs as like needing a home and a steady home that also was was fun and could grow with me and would evolve. And Don's had his own world experiences and it's just kind of grown into we're business partners opening up a coffee shop in Northwest Arkansas now. We you know, we really are, we're creating a, um, a creative hub, like a space that can be a studio and a rental property and, and things as well. And it, our dogs, it's just, it's a perfect little life that I wasn't sure I would ever be fortunate enough to live. And it, it's definitely something that it feels like another chapter, you know, while bringing in that very first chapter of learning so much and traveling and always being on the go. Now I get to be more introspective and bring all that experience into my own community now. Yeah, it's it's something that like having interviewed just so many people now, and I think you'd probably agree with this, but often when I chat with people that spend a lot of their life on the road, um, mm-hmm. without meaning to, what I end up coming to with them is this realization that they're running away from something. They're just They're yeah. just perpetually like, leaving um, and never arriving, just always leaving. And the moment something becomes comfortable, then they they confuse um, their own insecurity for like, yeah, well, it's time to go. And yeah. and that that has never been, in all the times you and I have talked about your travels, that's never struck me as that. It's always been, for, for me, the, the conversation that you seem to have always has been like, I just want to, I just want to taste it all. Like, I just want to, like, yeah. I just want to taste it. But you said something to me uh, when I asked you about this last time. You said that you had never been uh, one to miss. It, like, on your trips, you've always been present. You've never been one to miss anything. Yeah. And after you met Don, it was like the first time that you'd been like, "Then I am here, but I, I kind of wish I was there. I kind of miss him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say too, it's, this could probably go on to something else, but um, take with it as you will. That feeling of life just being so short, I think has always also been something that drives me. I feel like when I, I lost my father when I was seven and this hourglass just turned over for me and the sand was immediately just, okay, like you have until, in my mind, I was like, he died at 40, I'm gonna die at 40. And I just, it, was, it wasn't something that I really, was cognitive of until later and realized that a large push for me is that 
what if I don't make it past 40, right? Like what, what would I have missed out on or what, like what part of the world did I not see and engage with? And, um, it's, yeah, that like consumption of just like, oh my gosh, I'm worried I'm not going to have enough time in this world. And I think a part of that has been eased a little bit since finding, you know, that comfort and familiarity in another soul like Dawn, but it's still kind of there. So there's always that, like, like you were saying, that taste, you know, just like wanting to do more. It's also probably a bad thing because I feel like my my time is limited. Well, I, I, I love, I mean, the, the reason I even brought him up, though, obviously, I, I love the man and he's been like incredible. I know, right? Um, I may <laughs> have to in the show notes actually put like a post to y'all's wedding photos because they're, they're I mean, these are like the two most beautiful humans you've ever seen. But, <laughs> but. The reason I brought it up was because, um, and I'd sent you this over in our text messages before we before we started. I think there's something remarkable. I think there's something special about your ability to be so, um, and you can hear it on your voice, like so comfort and overtly feminine in yeah. in like your your love for being a wife your love for just your love for people and i don't mean that in a stereotypical way and so y'all please don't just like hit me with hate mail here but <laughs> but what i mean is there is a there is a um a grace i keep using that word for you but like a a delicate grace to how you approach people and how you see relationship and how special that is Thanks. how has that how has that i feel like you have to be so callous in the film industry you you do to an extent, but it's it's so funny because I for the Connected Cup, I was pitching networks. Like I'm super ambitious. And so I was like top dog networks. I was looking at Magnum Photos. I was like, I can get grants from National Geographic. It was no in no part of my mind was I thinking I won't get this. It's just like, come on, like this is a great story. You'd be you'd be lucky to have me on board. Come on. And I think that also play, it plays to my advantage because I, it's not that I am necessarily closed off to people because I'm definitely very open with like wanting to connect and to collaborate. But there's a part of me that's like, I, I want to connect with people, but if the job, if they can't help or if the job won't get done, I know that I can get it done. And so the film, I, I wasn't able to get funding from the big grants. So I learned about crypto and I, I sent my like updates to people and they'd send me Bitcoin back. And all of a sudden it was like, wait a second, now I've got a huge investment that I can continue making films and I can travel. And this is, this is amazing. So now that forced me into this like web three phase and an aspect of life. And so that's also a community that now I'm in, but you know, it's almost like I just, I can be feminine in that, you know, harness those feminine energies because the like masculine energy inside of me is just like, I got this. Like if it doesn't, if, so, if someone can't help me, I can do it. And so it's, it's a, yeah, it's a delicate balance, but that's, that's kind of cool that you say that because I always, I always think that I have like a very masculine energy and Don laughs at that too, because he's like, you you might feel that way, but like you are just very, yeah, like feminine divine, like that, you know, like following that route. And so I'm like, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it, it is cool to watch. Okay, well, so I, I say that because I know the demographics of the show and I know that the, the majority of the people listening, which I adore this, by the way, I love this, but the majority of the people listening are women. And is that cool? Yeah. So I I want you to speak into them for just a minute. Like give give these give these ladies some advice of of how to how to take on the world the way that you literally take on the world the way that you have with that kind of courage and that kind of like audacity as as a woman in the industry in the industry. I think females in general have an innate ability to read people and so trust your gut is a very first thing I I know that many of the, your listeners know that gut and that intuition well, but if something feels off, if you're in an area where someone's like, I'll give you a ride and you're in the car and it feels weird, I've opened a car door as it's been moving and, and rolled out because I was like, this is not right. And wow. trust your feminine intuition, but also see each other, not just 
females, non-binary, you like look at look at all of our brothers and and our spouses and everyone as like kinship. So when you meet a stranger or you meet someone in the industry, I've stopped thinking of them as colleagues and trying to think of it more in a plane of kinship. And so when we look at, at it through a kinship lens, then it becomes like one big family, one big collective. And you're more apt to help each other. They're more apt to help you. And I also kind of go by the rule of like, I'll always give, offer help or insight or work with someone. Um, but if, if it goes wrong, then, you know, that just wasn't meant to be like, a, not always a write-off after a really bad incident, but at the same time, you don't have time for that. So mm. <laughs> trust it and, and go for it. And there's nothing wrong with, with being really soft and thoughtful and introspective. You don't have to be the loudest person in the room and you don't have to ask for a seat because maybe you want to make your own table, right? What a statement there. I mean, I, <laughs> that's, that's why I asked just because I love so much that um, if I could give everybody like a behind the scenes and what it was, what it was like to be at your wedding. Um, oh, man. I'm ready oh my, for this. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's do this. Okay. So you have got every like tribe nation creed represented. There is every skin tone is there. Every, um, you know, gender and, and way of like just seeing yourself was there. Every member of family and friends from stages of life all over the place from, from Don's swim buddies, AUT to like the girls that you had lived with in, in New York and, and every stage in between. Right. Yeah. And, the one thing that struck me, this was one of the only weddings I've ever been to in a long career of doing this. One of the only weddings I've ever been to where um, the one thing that struck me was that you, you have a, you've touched every single person in that room in totally unique ways, but in consistent ways. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. And you, it's, I I hope that's, I hope that's a compliment. I hope you, I hope you hear that because it, it's a special thing to sit back and see a filmmaker and a creative that has poured their life into sharing a story with with other people, people that that they won't know and that they, you know, that they don't may not ever interact with. But it's a whole other thing to get the chance to see the inner circle of that person and see like the effect that that person has on a personal level. And uh, and so, you know, my point in telling you this, obviously, on, on the podcast is to encourage the people that are listening to, to not allow your story um, or your, your dreams or your ambitions to cloud how important it is to take that home. Because mm. it, it, it really struck me to, to watch you guys together, like just how special oh. that day was as you guys danced through, wildly <laughs> danced through the middle. Wildly of, danced. Very wild. Um, <laughs> So, okay. Well, so, hey, as we, as we begin to wrap it up then, um, do me a favor. I, I would love for you to just, uh, just give any little slivers of advice that you, that you have for, um, for aspiring documentarians. Like sure. people, people that are in here that are saying like, you know, hey, right now I'm shooting families, but I want to shoot this story. Or right now I'm, you know, like I'm learning my camera, but I know that there is a story here. Um, what, where, where can these people go to, to find the next steps in, in finding their voice? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll address first and foremost, the financial side of that, because that's a, that's a huge, huge reason. I think a lot of creatives feel stuck is the financial side. And so there are a lot of grants out, out there that want to support the stories that you are interested in. And don't apply for grants that you don't fall into. I made that mistake of being like, well, I could do a story about, you know, um, a climate issue in Antarctica. Um, have I been to Antarctica? No. Do I know, exa- like, am I the right person for this? No. So why waste the energy on it? But um, there are a few platforms that I still use and it's just kind of a, a quick roll call and they'll put out opportunities and grants. One of them is the International Journalist Network, IJNet. That's a great one. You can find uh, resources there to maybe it's just a small grant. Maybe it's like 
a $2,000 grant that will help you to do a local story that you want to do a, a photo story or a more document, a short documentary. So just know that, find some comfort that there are opportunities out there. And even when you don't get the grants, don't get discouraged. It, it's just a part of it. The next thing being knowing why you're telling a certain story is the most impactful way. And it's what's going to keep you going. So for instance, with the Connected Cup, I didn't know how I was going to get the story completely told. I didn't know exactly how I was going to edit it and structure it all really by myself. But if I, I knew my why and why I wanted the story to be told, and eventually that why becomes even stronger because you have more people laced in there that are looking forward to seeing your final project. So when you start, know your why and continue to build upon that because it'll drive you. The other thing being, you're going to have to wear a lot of hats. Even if you don't like scheduling, you're going to be a producer. You're going to find logistics coordinator. You're going to have to be an editor if you're not super familiar with editing or you're just working on it. And so cultivate those skills. Um, Be humbled by the fact that maybe you're not the greatest coordinator, but eventually when you get further in, in your career, you'll say, that's the first person I'm hiring, a logistics coordinator. And I think just, just having the, the courage to start is, oh, it sounds cliche, but having that courage to start is what's going to eventually get you to your goal. And it's not silly. Whatever story you're, you want to tell, I assure you, it's not silly and it's not been done before. In your, in your own voice, it's not been done. So go do it. You know what? I'm going to make you smile here. I've been pressing this whole interview to try and get you to use the word courage. I keep teeing you up for the word. Here's why. So, oh the, so last week's episode with with Farina, we I bring up this idea. Yeah, yeah again, you haven't heard it yet because it just went live today. Um, I bring up this idea with her that that I've been battling with myself, just thinking through with myself. But this yeah. idea that if you if you have enough curiosity. And enough humility and enough courage, almost anything is is per- perfectly available to you. But you, I love but that. you have to juggle those three things. And so my conver- my entire conversation with her was about the curiosity. Was you know oh like this, this idea of like constantly constantly coming back to asking more questions and in new ways. And uh, oh man, I've been I've been begging. Thank you so much for taking you. You fixed it here. Forty five <laughs> right minutes at in, the end. you finally I know used how to the tell word a story. Dang it! She <laughs> dropped you the courage. The end. <laughs> um, spoiler alert: Next week we'll be on humility. So oh, I mean, I oh man, wow. I um, I'm just so grateful uh, for you and for your time and and for your your influence in 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 my life and your trust in my work. Um, I mean. Sure, those wedding photos turned out pretty, amazing. but that was because of you. So, <laughs> um, I would also say because of you, there was I put you through a lot with the family being out. When I tell, I just want to clear this too: the family photos are meant to be in this, like, in the chapel where there's consistent light, and instead we're outside. Everyone's already outside; they're coming to see me. It's a smaller wedding. And I'm like, Miles, can we just shoot it right here? There are shadows of leaves on faces. There, I don't know how you did it, but everyone, everyone is just perfectly lit. It's just, it's magnificent. Don and I could not get over how talent we know how talented you are, but it really is the next level just to see images where we're both we knew what we put you through and what came out was just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, running you this man backpedaled as we rode our bikes around the square as our as our goodbye photograph that was nuts so it was, was also cool. a lot because of you <laughs> so it was you. it was cool well it was a fun challenge it was a neat i was neat to see how fast i can actually run backwards and loafers uh Pretty and fast. yeah i would actually be surprised at it i think um you know i'm not like 25 year old miles fast but i'm, <laughs> I'm definitely i haven't slowed down as much as i thought i would have um, so, okay. Well, Hey, thank you so much for, for, um, just the, the, just the truth of being on here. It's just special. I think this is going to be an episode that is going to, uh, it's going to really touch people, uh, simply because the authenticity is just so evident. So, um, last thing, tell us, yeah. 
where we can see your documentary, where we can follow you and get engaged with what you're up to next. Um, how yeah. how we can learn from you. You mentioned that you. I don't know if you still are doing any kind of educational stuff. Like, give us give us the plug on all of the ways that people and and all of these you know men and women and, and whoever anybody that is listening that that wants to you know connect with you. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So the film, The Connected Cup. You can go to theconnectedcup.com. It has multiple ways to watch on Roku, Plex, Amazon Prime, all the fun streaming services. But it's also available on YouTube. I wanted it to be completely available with um, Spanish subtitles. There are a lot of captions because it is in nine languages, but there, for the English parts, there are um, Spanish subtitles as an option. So that's on YouTube. There, you can see all of my my short documentaries, except for one that's still in the festival circuit. But you can see all of my shorts on beerhousecreative.com. So you can keep up with some of my work there. You can see my photo essays and publications and work on beerhousecreative.com. And then you can keep up with me on Instagram at It's Brooke Beerhouse. I'm pretty active on there. Miles knows. I like to just share a lot of my life. And if it's helpful, then, you know, it, I, it will be helpful. But I, I like to engage with people. So feel free to send me a DM. I'm always um, active and talking and, and here to help. And when it comes to some of the educational things, I... I have been cultivating it. It's still sort of in the works, um, doing a Web3 film um, educational resource, but that would be announced through Instagram. So keeping up at It's Brooke Beer House would be the best way to do that. Heck yeah. And we will do it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank my you, Miles. Oh, coffee soon. Can we? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. This time it's on me, but I'm still <laughs> going to have to rely on you to make sure that it's good. Perfect. Happy to do it. Okay, I'll admit it. I'm still smiling from that interview. Yo, what a uh, what a breath of fresh air. Just so much grace and so much compassion for humanity. Such a perspective on the world as a very big and also very small place uh, through the eyes of my good friend, Brooke Beerhouse. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for constantly being a, a supportive and kind role in my life. You guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would click over and give us a five-star review uh, in the Apple Podcast Store. It is so important to the algorithm and to us showing up in other uh, photographers and filmmakers' stories that they see your review. So click over and do that now. And uh, and lastly, I'm gonna remind you guys that our, our sponsor today is, uh, is Bedford's Camera. Bedford's is the oldest and largest family-run camera retailer in the country. You guys, they have been right beside my, my photography career from the jump. And all of my cameras, all of my lenses for years and years came from them. But more than that, uh, I, I love the, the cards, I love the hard drives. I have even uh, at times bought computer monitors from them. You guys, everything that you can imagine is available on bedfords.com. Just use the code MWB for a 5% cash back discount on everything. If you've been around the industry for a little while, you know how rare it is to be able to get cash back. And uh, and that is, it's a big opportunity. So the code is MWB over at bedfords.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.